How many medieval weapons are there in the Houses of Parliament? Which Downing Street cat has caused the biggest diplomatic incident? And why are so many MPs whipped regularly, and not just in their private lives? I'm John. I'm Rob. And I'm Kess, and we're here to tell you all about the unhinged world of British politics. We're ranking all the Prime Ministers from Robert Walpole to the modern day. We'll be telling the story of each Prime Minister's life, legacy and premiership. Extra cash, a dukedom, even a garter. No matter what they walked away with, we'll be casting judgement and deciding whether they are... A write-on or a write-off. We are Primetime Prime Ministers. And remember... Never flinch, never weary, never despair. And find us wherever podcasts are found. Welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 54, Pecorus II. In which we take a resurgent empire and see if we can, you know, not f*** it up immediately. Yes. What are your expectations, Ariel? Do well, we drive this empire into a wall? Please, <laughs> or do no, we continue to improve it? It's been so many years of just... Well, not even so many years. <laughs> I guess so many episodes. Not that many years because we've had like 10 kings in like, you know... Yeah, it's been a while. But it's been so long. It's such a struggle for so long. Such a... Oh, can we please have a period of like prosperity for a little bit? Yeah. I would like that. I was just counting, and we have had seven kings in about 50 years, which is kind of a lot. I want more stability out of that. And that's considering one king who ruled for 26 years. Yeah. So, you know, six kings in 25 years is not great. Yeah, so we can see what happens with Pecorus. But first, we can just recap what happened in last episode under the I, where things actually did go well. So what happened is, Volgasis took the throne, he was elected king without opposition, and hooray, hooray, he managed to guide the empire towards a glorious future. Internally, he had to deal with some rebellions, but he defeated them all. In the east, he had to deal with this new Kushan empire Mm -hmm. that is starting to rise and is kind of a threat. He fought a war with them. It's not really clear from the sources how well things went, but... You know, there's no massive changes, at least. But on the bright side, he managed to regain control of Armenia after a long, hard-fought war with Rome. Now his brother became king of Armenia and established a dynasty that would last 400 right, years. Right, yes. So that's fun. We also got to tour the empire at Rome's expense. That's always neat. Why not? And he also got back some sort of control over the Indo-Parthians, so that's also a nice bit of... Uh, tribute that we're getting. And then finally, in Rome, there was their civil war, finally. Nero was deposed and died. We had Vespasian come to the throne, and he had an amicable relationship with Volagasis. There was a bit of, you know, snubbing each other back and forth, but there was no real sign of war, and everything went pretty well. On the other hand, Volagasis also tended to stabilize the empire, centralize it a little bit, 
try to make sure that the nobles didn't get too uppity. And then he died after co-ruling with the son Pecoris for about a year at the end. And that leaves us to where we are. So It was so you know, a wonderful good, and perfect picture. and smooth transition and just, like, great. Just yes. fun times. It's good. Good stuff. Lovely. So let's see if Pecoris can hold everything together or if he just fails. Also, incidentally, this is Pecoris II because Pecoris I, we've already had him, but he was just a co-king so he didn't get his own episode. He was the favorite son of Orodes II, who then died in battle against the Romans and that led to Phraates IV and so on. So this is why we're having a second without having a first. Mm. So there. Odd, but I'll take it. Yeah, it happens. The numbering of Parthian monarchs is an absolute mess, so mm. it happens. So let's start with, who is Pecoris? Where does he come from? Well, he was the son of Volagasis I and his chosen heir, as we mentioned. He was probably born sometime in the first half of the century, and we don't really get much about his early life. The first time we get news about him is in the year 78, when he begins minting his own coins in parallel to his father's, suggesting that, again, he was named co-king mm-hmm. together with Volagasis, and in the last year, presumably when he was feeling sick and towards the end. Also, the interesting thing is that these original coins show Pecorus as a beardless young man, which could be one of two things. Either he is in his 20s when he became co-king, which seems likely given his age, thereabouts. Or it could also just be that he wasn't that young, but it just serves to distinguish him from Volagasis. So that, you know, if you have two coins, the one with the old man is for the old king and the one with the young man is for the new king. So you kind of have an idea what's going on. And it also helps historians because at least it distinguishes this Pecorus from the Pecorus that is Volagasis' brother. So we at least have something clear that we know who this person is. So that's good. But then in the year 79, Volgasis dies and Pecorus becomes sole ruler of the empire at the death of his father. But things are not so simple in Parthia as we've learned time and time again. Because Pecorus has two brothers. One is called Artabanus, which adds more confusion to the numbering of the Artabanuses in Parthian history. And there's another one called Volagasis as well. Now the problem is that Artabanus is older than Pacorus, and we're not really sure what age Volagasis second is. Now, given the fact that Pacorus has an elder brother, at least one, we can assume that he was chosen on merit by his father, and that it wasn't just, yeah, whoever will do, whoever's the oldest, you can succeed. But that was slightly chaotic, because both Pecorus's brothers decide that they would be better kings than Pecorus, so they start a civil war. As you usually do, yeah. So, what happens is that the two are differently dangerous. Volagasis hmm. II is the least dangerous one, because he doesn't really have any pre-existing support. It looks like he was either too young or not trusted enough by Volagasis I to actually be given some land to control. Mm-hmm. But Artabanus was given lands to rule in northern Mesopotamia by his father. Mm-hmm. So he already has a base of support that he can use to further attack the central right. authority Which, and try and get the throne. Understandably more dangerous, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of concerning. 
So we don't really hear much about how the civil war itself went about, but we hear that Artabanus took the city of Seleucia briefly in 80 or 81, and that meant that he was the one that was interacting with Rome for a while. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to an interesting situation that, well, I will tell you now. Because in the year 79, a man called Terentius Maximus... <laughs> okay. Yes. Good name. Terentius Maximus, yes. He appeared in the east of the Roman Empire and traveled all the way to the Euphrates. Now, why is he interesting? Well, because he claimed to be the Emperor Nero. Okay. Who we met last chapter. Yes. And has been dead for about 11 years. Yeah. So, odd that. Hmm. Yes. Strange. Well, then, why did he impersonate Nero and not just, like, anybody else? Because, well, Nero was pretty popular in the East, especially. Was he? Well, among the people, he was quite popular because he was a diva and everybody was like, haha, absolute legend, Nero. Right. Good celebrity, bad ruler. Yeah. And also in the East, he was seen as the guy who stopped the war with Parthia. So everybody was like, well, he did give us peace, so... Yeah, so he's cool. Did a good job, I guess. We can see that. You know, forget about the fact that we lost Armenia, but we're at peace now, so good. And, well, this Terentius Maximus, this false Nero was also a very good liar player, so he did go around and had a lovely playing, showing who he was and being very fancy. Literally Nero impersonator. Yeah. Also, the fact that Nero died without many witnesses is a good source Mm. for rumors, you know. Of course. Yeah, he died attended by, like, a couple slaves. Who knows? Was that really Nero? Was it just secret Nero? You know, we've had people talk about Elvis showing up. Yeah. And faking his death, Nero is definitely a similarly diva-ish person. And then we also get a passage in the Sibylline Oracles, which is a collection of myths and prophetic statements, Mm -hmm. which stated, And then from Italy a great emperor shall flee in the guise of a servant, unseen and unrecognized, across a ford of the Euphrates. He who will at length suffer his mother's curse for a loathsome murder, and has relied on his vile hand for many other crimes. And many shall stain the earth about the Roman throne with blood while he is in flight across the land of Parthia. Wait, wait, wait. Is Italy a thing? Italy is, as a geographical expression, it's a thing. Oh, okay. So that's like the peninsula. Yeah, the area. It's Mm. not a country. I see. It's the place. The administrative division of the empire. So apparently there is a prophecy that a hidden Nero would show up and cross into Parthia. That's very specific. Yes, which, you know, questionable, (laughs) the fact that it's so specific, but, you know, maybe the prophecy exists and somebody thought, yeah, I'll try and fulfill this. This sounds cool. Or who knows? Maybe it's just a massive coincidence that happens sometimes. So this imposter then walked into the lands controlled by Artabanus and was greeted with open arms because, well, Nero gave Armenia to the Parthians, so yeah, sure, we'll support him. If he's going to give us more land, if we put him on the throne, that sounds amazing. So Artabanus made preparations to restore this Nero to the throne. Mm -hmm. Also because his own claim hadn't been supported by the Roman Emperor Titus. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, if we can replace the Roman Emperor with a Roman Emperor that supports us, us, that'll help us win the Civil War. Indeed. 
but we're then told that apparently it was later discovered that Terentius Maximus was indeed an imposter. <laughs> Surprise. And Artabanus had him executed, although the details are sketchy. Hmm. Because presumably, you don't really care if you have an imposter on the Roman throne, yeah. but, you know, maybe, maybe there they was were caught and some negotiations. Was like, oh, you have yeah, fooled no. me, how dare you, and yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. The you you don't want to, to look dumb. Maybe is... somebody said, oh, yeah. Nero had a birthmark that looked like this, and this guy doesn't. It's like, mm. well, you just said that in court. I can't just say, oh, no, no, t- it's totally cool. He had laser surgery. <laughs> Trust me, so, yeah. it's fine birthmarks disappear all the time can't birthmarks disappear i guess some of them right i am not that kind of doctor (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i'll have to google that because it would be interesting if it actually was nero it doesn't feel like they would change yeah i know the birthmark thing was also like just made up yeah yeah, like i know it just it sent me into a spiral of like hmm yeah interesting story it doesn't sound like the type of thing that disappears they might fade over time, but doesn't sound like that. But anyway. Listeners, if you know, get in touch. Yes. Let Otherwise, us know, I'll, please. Otherwise, you know, ask Google. <laughs> Dr. Google will help mm-hmm. us. But anyway, by the time of 82-83, our protagonist Pacorus managed to defeat his brothers, both Volagasis II and Artabanus the Questionably Numbered. Mm-hmm. And he managed to finally govern all of the empire on his own. It was a bit of a rocky succession, but he made it. We even get a lovely commemorative coin with Artabanus presenting a diadem to Pacorus, kneeling before him. So that's always nice to have. And it shows that, yay, we won the civil war. Hurrah. We made it. This is when a visitor came to the court. Huzzah. Can you guess who the visitor is, Serial? Well... Certainly not Nero. We've already had him from the dead. What are we doing right now? We just finished a civil war. The false Nero was executed. Is it the Romans who are sending somebody, or is it somebody else? Just somebody showing up on his own. I, uh... <laughs> it was Emperor Nero, of course, Serial. I Emperor <laughs> Nero, back from the grave! <laughs> are you serious right now? Yes, oh my Emperor God. Nero. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, mean, I, was, I was absolutely joking because I'm like well it can't be because we just had him like show no, so up this is the real Emperor Nero oh Samuel. my god back from the grave <laughs> me 20 once, years later shame on me <laughs> yes fool me once shame on you fool me twice I'm well you know maybe this time yeah. is true what are the odds that he would you know that Two what are the odds that there will be two imposters? Would show up. Like, I mean, certainly one of these Nigerian princes must be real. <laughs> exactly. I've received ten emails from Nigerian princes. One of them has to be legitimate. <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> uh, okay, please tell me. I need to know. So yes, this Nero came to the court of Pacorus and said, Oh great king, I'm the emperor Nero. Please restore me to my throne. And Pacorus had a bit of a thought. Did we execute him? Pacorus thought a little bit and thought, you know, it might be convenient to have an imposter on the Roman throne. I mean, we we wanted this to begin with. Yeah, it's a fun start. But then he gets a letter from the Romans. Domitian sends a letter saying, don't you even try. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you dare. We both know this isn't the real Nero. It ain't gonna Don't try it. This is gonna be a big and bloody war. 
for a, just a random idiot. Oh. Don't. I mean, we just got out of a civil war too, so uh, yes. So Pecorus thinks about it and says, "Yeah, that would be dumb. That wouldn't be that fun." And yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Let's not do this war. So he hands over the fake Nero to Domitian, who then promptly has him executed. Yep. So, good talk. Good stuff. I mean, Nero's there. What did you expect? This trick yeah. was just tried on us. Like, and honestly, like, if it were for us, it would have worked, because, like, you know. Yeah. You know, if Rome was in a more unstable situation, it would have been better, but... Eh. But we all knew that you weren't Nero, yeah. so... Can you imagine if the second guy was really yeah. Emperor Nero and he was like, no, no, but th- this time for real, it's actually I was me. just thinking that I'm like, that would be a hilarious story, actually. <laughs> yes. Can someone make this into a movie? It doesn't have to be a serious movie. I just, you know. It could be a great movie. Come on, you can do it. Write a novel about this. L.J. Trafford. Write a fan fiction. <laughs> That'd be great. Okay. So but what now, now that we've gotten rid of the second Emperor Nero... Roman troubles are still around, because we're told that in the next decade, the Emperor Domitian began preparations for an invasion of Parthia, with the aim of taking Mesopotamia and even Bactria. So he's doing the full Alexander the Great. Hmm. But fortunately for us, Domitian was murdered before he could attempt this, but the plans remained in a little folder labeled for my successor Trajan. So we'll see if that goes anywhere, who knows. In the meantime, Pecorus founded some new cities along the Euphrates, one called Pecoria and one called Teridata, possibly in a dual role so they could better manage trade and be forts in case of an invasion, because, hey, the Romans are getting uppity. Let's be careful. So, overall, Pecorus seems to follow in the more ironizing footsteps of Volagases, expanding and embellishing the new capital of Tessaphon, making sure that the empire becomes more Iranian, less Greek, as it was before. There might have also been a minor border dispute with the Romans in these years, but we don't really have many sources on them. Whatever it was, it didn't amount to much. But the real problem came to Pecorus from the inside, because he was challenged by a man called Osroes, or Chosroes, but Hellenized as Osroes, who may have been either Pecorus's brother or brother-in-law. So, whatever the case may be, this Osroes managed to gain the support of the Western nobles, who are always just there being a pain. And we have barely any detail, but we know that the capital of Tessaphon changed hands several times, and Pecorus did not regain it at all after the year 97. So the empire is now essentially split between East and West. The West under Osroes, and the East under the legitimate Pecorus. So, that's not great. We've split the empire in two, and the Romans have plans for an invasion. I wonder how that will work out for any future Roman emperors that start with a T and end with Agen. We'll see. But, worse news, Serial. We have a new visitor. Oh my god, I swear to god. Please. <laughs> Tell me it's no, not No, it's okay. It's not Nero. Oh my god. This time it's from, an, for it's a from moment, the opposite just direction. My heart cannot it's cool. take it anymore. <laughs> There is a third imposter Nero, but he doesn't leave the Roman Empire, so I'm sorry. Yeah, well. We get news from the East. In the year 97, the protector general of the West for the celestial emperor He of Han sent an envoy 
called Gan Ying on a mission to Syria to establish diplomatic contact with the Romans. All right. So, well, Gan Ying arrived at the Parthian court and was greeted magnanimously by Pacorus, who said, You want to talk with the Romans? For an alliance, you say. You, you, you want China and Rome to be allies, and we're in the middle, you say. Uh-huh. Interesting. I see. I see what I, I see what the you know the reasoning here. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, well, sh- show me your map on how you're planning to get to Syria. What What did the Romans ever do for you that we cannot you know do better? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We can be friends. We've been friends for centuries. We have this whole Silk Road thing going on. Like, don't you know about our history and like our you know previous emperors and how like how well they got together and all of the like? Come on, it's been great exactly. for business. Merchants are so happy. Yeah, and he takes Gan Ying's map and says, "No, no, no! You can't reach Syria by land. That would take you years. <laughs> the easiest way to gain Syria is by sea." And that route would take at least two years to get there. So I'm sorry, it looks like your journey to the Roman land is pretty much impossible. <laughs> you just can't you know, get there. Like, I haven't yeah, even been there myself. Like, I, it's just, sorry, it's just too complicated. Yeah, but, you know, thanks for visiting. Send our regards to the Chinese emperor. Bye-bye now. Have fun. And feeling that this might have been a very long trip, but he can't make it to Rome, Gan Ying decided, well, I guess the Parthians would know where the Romans are. I guess I'll go home and tell the emperor that the Romans are just too distant to be in contact with. Seriously? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but like, send better diplomats, guys. (laughs) But it worked. Hey, it's nice. Maybe there were more reasons, like the fact that like he knows what we are doing, but he's like, if they catch me trying to get to Rome, they'll just kill me. Yeah, it might be. There was also a civil war going on in the middle. Yeah, maybe so. he just wasn't paid enough for this. I don't know. I mean, what is the emperor going to do? Is the emperor going to go personally to Rome and, and find that you lied? Mm. Come on. I mean, like, in our special episode on Emperor Wu of Han, yes. we saw that the messenger that was too scared to go and send a message about Prince Ju just told the emperor, yeah, no, he's rebelling. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> that one time. So it might be a pattern with Chinese messengers. We don't know. But also to encourage the Chinese to remain friendly and have nice deals, in 101, a few years later, Pacorus sent lavish gifts of lions and ostriches to the Chinese court, saying, hey guys, remember how we were really good friends? Look, I sent you lions and ostriches. Yeah. And we apparently get a Chinese document saying that Pacorus sent some fubo to the court. What is a fubo? It looks like a unicorn, but without a horn. So a horse. Which kind of sounds like a weird horse to me. Yeah, I don't know why this is a special category of animal. I mean, to be fair, I am a big fan of unicorns that don't just look like horses, but are more ungulate, more deer-like, you know, with the long tail and the beard and a bit more fragile, if you will, or or elegant than a horse. Mm. So I guess, like, a more in an antelope or deer vibe. I guess? But... Might have been some weird antelope, I don't know. But I don't... I've never heard of this animal, so... Neither have historians. (laughs) They're all very confused. Interesting. Maybe it was just a horse that looked a bit funny. Could have been just a very nice horse. You know, might be. One of those horse with fingers for feet. Yeah, cool. I still want to see that really badly. Dita lives in my heart. Like Caesar's horse. Yes. 
But yeah, so apart from contact with the Chinese, the East is on fire. Ah. Because the Kushan Empire that Volagasis I had been fighting with has now massively expanded. They've marched into India, they've conquered the Indo-Parthians, and they've begun to nibble away at the Parthian territories along the Silk Road, and the Kushans are taking this important source of revenue, which is kind of problematic. And this might also explain Pacorus's embassies towards China, and, you know, trying to ask them for help against these Kushans and saying, hey... Mm. If we work together, we won't have this other intermediary being in the way, but apparently, whatever it was, it didn't work because Pacorus loses lands in the east, and the Chinese are just as happy to make deals with the Kushans. But Pacorus didn't only focus his efforts on the east, he planned for diplomacy in the west as well, because he contacted King Decebalus of Dacia. Where's Dacia again? Dacia is roughly in modern Romania. Okay. And Decebalus was a great enemy of the new Roman Emperor Trajan. So much so that Trajan makes a plan for a grand campaign to invade Dacia and depose Decebalus and get a bunch of the gold and silver that's in Dacia. Okay, so we are in Trajan times now. Yes, Trajan has arrived. Trajan didn't succeed right after Nero. He's like the... No, we have Nero, Galba Otho, Vitellius Vespasian... Titus, Domitian, Nerva, and oh my, then okay, so it's been so the Roman Empire is like on flames. They've had stuff. Okay, yes, in flames. I mean, I the guess. Flavians are pretty nice. They had like the year of the four emperors after Nero. Yeah. Then the Flavians were relatively stable. Then Domitian got a bit tyranty and was killed. And now we're in the year of the period of the five good emperors in Rome. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay, continue. So that's where we are in Roman history. Yeah, like, I don't really, I was gonna say, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> this is not the Roman history podcast, but I, since Rome is constantly getting all up in our business, I want to know, like, are they at a stable point or are they at a, oh God, everything is burning point? They are now in a, we're getting very stable. Yes, yes. This if is, if they're at the Trajan, age. Trajan is like good. Yeah. So. Yes. Oof. Trajan is the Optimus Princeps. He is the best emperor. According to the Senate, at least. But anyway, Pacorus contacts Decebalus, who is the great enemy of Trajan, and he sends him some heavy cavalry with which to fight the Romans, saying, Hey, maybe make some trouble for them. I'm fighting a civil war. I don't own Mesopotamia right now. Please help. I don't want the Romans fighting us right now. It would be terrible if the Romans invaded Mesopotamia while the empire split in two and in a terrible civil war. In exchange, Decebalus gifted a Greek slave called Calidromus to Pacorus. And apparently this man had a really weird history, which is very interesting, because he was captured during a Dacian raid on Roman lands. Mm -hmm. And then the Dacians gifted him to Pacorus. Mm -hmm. Then this man escaped from Pacorus and appeared in Roman territory again, where he was re-enslaved by two bakers. (laughs) And then he ran away from the bakers and told the central government, hey, this is my life story, please, I don't want to be a slave. Whoa. And apparently, this shows up in the letter of Pliny the Younger, who was a historian and governor of Anatolia for Trajan, uh-huh. who sends a letter to Trajan saying, hey, this happened, what should we do with this guy? Interesting. What do you think, your majesty? And unfortunately, we don't have the reply to this letter, uh-huh. but we have this guy's absolutely wild life story of being like carried from west to east all across the Mediterranean until finally 
hopefully getting free. Let's hope for this guy, because, you yeah. know, he was captured in a border raid, like, ten years before. Interesting. You'd want him to go home at last. That's, like, wow. I'm glad we have the story, like... Yeah, it's really interesting just to know this one guy just had a really wild decade. And definitely not a fun time if he was a slave. Bad times. We then get some more news about what Pacorus did in his empire. It looks like he managed to gain some more land in the west. He gained some support because he sold the kingdom of Osroene to one of the sons of Izatis of Adiabene, the Jewish king who had sheltered Artabanus III and almost went to war with Volgasis I. We've heard him for a while. So kingdom is back in their hands. And this tells us that Pacorus probably had some land in the west and despite his rival Osroes having control of most of Mesopotamia, there was still a lifeline to the West. But it's at this point where Pacorus then disappears in history in favor of a man called Volagasis III, who seems to have been his son. And this Volagasis III is only inheriting half of the empire. He's going to have to deal with the usurper Osroes in control of the Western provinces. And further, further to the West, Trajan is coming. Mm-hmm. So let's see how our boy Volagasis III is going to deal with that in the next episode. Oh dear, oh god, Trajan's coming. Yes. Oh dear, oh god, the Romans are coming, the Romans are coming, hide everything of value, you know what they're like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are your thoughts on Pacorus, Serial? Uh, like, so much happened, and at the same time, nothing happened. Yeah. Like, <laughs> empire-wise, I'm like, okay... I felt like so many things were going to go down and then nothing really fully did. Yeah. But then there were so many, like, crisscrossing stories. <laughs> yes. I I am a bit confused. Yeah, mostly because this is a period of a lot of peace between Roman Parthia, so the Romans aren't caring very much. Yeah. So there was... A lot of civil war. A first civil war he suppressed. A second civil war, which he definitely did not and is now in control of some of the richest parts of the empire. And, well, now he's dead and we need to figure out what happened to him. Yep. Okay, so I'd say let's get ready to rate him and see how he does. Our first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? Disappearing into nothingness with no information. Mm, Not one of the best, sadly. No, I think just like a plane zero because... We know nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, presumably he died relatively peacefully because his son succeeded. Or somebody we presume his son succeeded. But, eh? It's very shady. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go for a zero. How about you? Matching as well? Yeah, it doesn't really tell me much, sadly. With a zero and a zero, he gets a zero out of ten for final moments. Our next category is battle hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? So he has... Pros and cons. On the positive side, he managed to defeat his two brothers, Volagasis II and Artabanus the Questionably Numbered. In the original Civil War, he managed to consolidate power on the throne. So that's good. That's a bonus. He defeated two brothers. I'd say that's worth something. On the downside, he is not doing well at all. Because he loses land in the east to the Kushans. Mm -hmm. Kushans are nibbling at the edge of the empire. They definitely destroy the Indo-Parthians with no support from the central government. So that's not ideal. 
So he does that in the East, and then in the West, the most serious and horrible thing is that he loses the West of the Empire. Yeah, that's, you know... Like, he isn't overthrown, so I guess he can hold Osiroi's back, but he does lose Mesopotamia, the richest bit of the Empire, mm-hmm. which is bad news all around. That's not fun. And, you know, consequently loses support of Armenia, which is now under Osiroi's control. So he succeeds a little bit at the start, but then fails really hard <laughs> Fair enough. at the end. I feel like I'd give him one tiny point for the fact that he does survive the first civil wars and he doesn't get overthrown. But everything else he fails at is so large that I can't really hmm. do much. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go for a one. How about you? I mean, when you put it that way, I can't really see more redeeming, <laughs> you know, like if I give him a two, it's like, why? Why that extra point? Yeah, it's just like, so, I guess, yeah. yeah. It's like, he tried, but no. So, yeah, with a one and a one, he gets a two out of 20 for battle hardness. Hmm. Our next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and manipulations? We have a little something here. We yeah. have the original attempt of maybe using a false Nero. He gives it up quite quickly, yeah. but... You know. The attempt was there. He thinks about it for a bit. Because, like, there's no way that we're like, yeah, maybe this is Nero. No, because, come on. It's been 20 years since the guy supposedly died. Even if it was actually Nero, this isn't very realistic. Yeah. So, that was one slightly schemey thing. Another nice schemey thing is telling Gan Ying, the Chinese ambassador, no, 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 no. Rome yes, is way too that. far away. You can never reach it. You die before reaching it. Go home. Because I was going to be like, how stupid can this ambassador be? But on the other hand, I'm like, nah, he probably was like, I don't want to get into like this <laughs> awful journey that is going to take me forever for nothing, especially now that there's like a civil war going on and stuff. So like if this, this is a good excuse as any other to be like, bye. Yeah, exactly. If the king peace. told me, I could just say the king told me, yeah. let's go. So that's a nice bit of scheminess. I like that about him. And uh, otherwise... Not much else. I wonder if that guy had to pay for it once he got back, because then the emperor of China would be like, dude, what the hell? Like, because you have to fear the journey more than you fear going back without results, right? Yeah. Let me see. Maybe he was really just clueless. I don't know. Yeah, apparently we don't know what happened to him. I mean, we presume that he made it back because he did write stuff about his mission. So, you know presumably the emperor thought yeah that's fair enough i didn't ask you to go to the ends of the earth i asked mm-hmm. you to get to rome if it was convenient <laughs> if you could. apparently it's not so yeah that's a fun bit of scheminess from pecorus but otherwise anything else i don't th- I, you could consider the talking to decebalus i don't know if you wanted to put that under scheminess or just diplomacy just going to decebalus sending some soldiers to fight the romans at a distance on the down low I don't know if, how, how you'd consider that. I feel like, in my head, that just rounds it up to a two. Maybe, yeah. What are your thoughts? Because I feel like there's one full point for the Ganying thing, and then I'd say half a point for the false Nero, half a point for the Decebalus. That gives me a full two. Hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that sounds good. Matching as well? Yeah. Okay, so with a two and a two, we get a four out of 20 for scheminess. 
Alright, next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? Not terribly. Nah, it was fine. Like, he didn't do much. You know, he fought his brothers in a civil war, but it was a civil war. He did support the false Nero, but that's not terribly shocking. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, the most shocking thing I could say is that he lost half of the empire, but I feel like that's not so much shocking as Aaron Shine issues. Mm -hmm. So... On his own, I feel I don't feel like there's really anything to to talk about for shock factor. I don't know if anything comes to mind to you, but it was just no, not things. really. It wasn't very shocking at all. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I feel like if you're matching me with a zero, we're gonna go for a zero to zero, which is zero out of twenty for shock factor. Our next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire in general and Iran in particular? Bad. He was bad. Mm. He was handed an empire that was doing great, and now it's not. It is definitely not doing I, great. I'm not surprised, but still disappointed. Yes. Just like we had a brief glimpse of hope under Volagasis the first, and now it's like, ah, Pecorus, you had one job. So what happens? Let's recap. Okay, let's look at the good things first. What did he do that was positive? He strengthened the support of China. He strengthened trade relations with them, sent them some nice gifts, and made sure that they didn't reach the Romans. That's important. He also founded some new cities in Mesopotamia and uh, ensured the continuations of his father's policies. So that's nice. He allied with Rome's enemies in the West with Dacia and tried to get an anti-Roman front going on. So that's neat. Those are the positives. Mm Mm-hmm. On the negatives, he lost the western half of the empire to a usurper. Yep. So that's the richest part of the empire where the capital is. That's not great. That's not fun. He lost control of the Indo-Parthians, who are now entirely absorbed by the Kushan Empire. The Kushans are eating at Parthia's eastern border. Some border cities are being taken away. And things are very unstable. Pacorus is now left with the central bit of Iran... And he's beset on all sides by enemies. And, eh, what are we doing now? Now what? Can the Empire recover the West? Can the Empire recover the East? You know, it could have gone worse, but not much worse. Yeah. Like, the only thing that could have gone worse is if the Empire had been destroyed. But I'm wondering if it's even worth a one. The fact that you're comparing it to, like... Well, the Empire didn't completely get obliterated. It says a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's because, you know, you've lost so much stuff. It's just, like, he did do some positive things. Did he? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, he strengthened relations with China, made allies with Rome's enemies, kind of improved the Empire a little bit. I feel like I want to give him a token one for the fact that he tried, but nothing more than that. I don't think he deserves more. You know, because he didn't destroy the Empire. The Empire isn't gone or no, tatters. Sure. We're still flying half an Empire, but that's not great. So yeah, I think I'm going to go with a one just because you gave it a shot, but I'm not impressed. How about you, Sarah? What do you think? Do you think he deserves this one or do you think it's just nah? No, he does. Like, it it, it wasn't... I didn't get the feeling while listening that it was that terrible, but of course, like, I was also distracted with, like, 30 million different stories that were happening (laughs) at the time. So, 
No, I think I, I won as fair because he was not good. And like... Yeah, no. I mean, there was no single catastrophic event. Yeah, but overall but everything went in decline. Which, like, makes empire. me so mad because, like, we were finally doing better. If Pacorus had been a competent, strong king, then the empire would have been in a new golden age. But this is what happens when you take a golden age and give it to somebody who's just not very good. Isn't that right, Commodus? <laughs> well. Ah, oh, Commodus is unfair. Pacorus mm. at least tried. Yeah. It wasn't completely anyway. <laughs> So yeah, with a 1 and a 1, we get a 2 out of 20 for Aaron Shine. Our next category is Face of Faces. What do you think this man looked like? I will need a minute. Yes. Okay, so Serial has finished their drawing. Let me pick it up and I'll describe it to you all. <laughs> okay, very nice. So, what we have here are two individuals. We have, on the left, a sheepish-looking man with a neck beard and curly hair and a laurel wreath around his head and a toga, touching his index fingers together and <laughs> looking around. And to his right, we have our boy Pacorus, dressed in a nice Parthian robe, extending his hand out towards this man. He has a nice beard, a nice helm with spikes on it and stylized horns on the edge. And nice flowy curly hair. And as Pacorus points at this man, he says, I, what, another one? Because this is the second Nero imposter we've had. Ta-da. I just, it killed me. I had to. <laughs> I know he was not, like, probably this was not his reaction, right? Because we clocked it pretty early on. But I could not <laughs> deal. Yeah. Yes, we've had one. But what about second Nero imposter? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me make that. <laughs> Yes, good. That will be on our socials. <laughs> so yeah, so listeners, if you would like to see this drawing, you can go in the notes of our episode, uh, the description of the podcast episode, or you can go to our website and go to Serial's Portrait Gallery to find it. And now let me show Serial what this man actually looked like, and they can tell us what they think. Here he is. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, I really like... I really, really like good. the hat. The hat is gorgeous. Exactly. It is kind of how I've I've drawn it. I mean, I was going off of like a description that you've given me, right? Mm -hmm. I don't look at the portraits beforehand, but like before I draw mine. But sometimes I ask Umberto for like, okay, give me like some, you know, distinctive vibes. Thing. <laughs> the hat is really pretty. It has this curly spikes on the top and the horns and a, and a star that I forgot. It's, mm. it's a good touch. Also, is he wearing a ring? On his ear. Looks like he has an earring, yeah. That's so cool. And a shorter beard. And honestly, this is fun. Like, it's still a coin on profile, you know, very classic vibes. Mm -hmm. But I love the hat. I love, you know, if I saw this, I could tell it's him. Yeah, exactly. The, I like that know. there's some variety. Not so much. His face is normal. Yeah, the face is just a face. There's like, no it, it probably doesn't really features. reflect much of like yeah, what exactly. he actually looked like except for the shorter beard i guess but yeah know. this is probably one of his earlier coins, yeah like a younger still a younger, younger man yeah but i do like that the hat i like the uh, he has nice thicker poofy curls at the back of his head so that's neat and yeah i think this is quite a nice coin it's, i'm not blown away but i think i'm in six territory how about you yeah yeah i like that the, the, the six sounds you know i can't remember what i gave the other ones but as long as this is higher the the checks let me check what you gave other people who did you give a six to 
gave a six to Artabanus the second. Can't really remember. I can't what really was... remember what he had. Let me just see if I can uh, get what we use for Artabanus the second. The third, actually. Sorry. What you got for Artabanus the third? Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, Artabanus the third had a weird front-facing portrait with with a nice long beard. That was interesting. It was slightly varied. And so you gave him a six. You also gave a six to, to Musa. He had a nice coin with a nice curly hat. So that's roughly what you've had so far. So do you, do you think you're going to stick with a six or elsewhere? No, I think a six is fine. Six is good. Okay. So with a six and a six, we get a three out of five for face of faces. Our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man reigned? Hmm. How fast did everything go to hell? <laughs> yes. What are you thinking? Single years, decades? No, I'm thinking between five. I was going to say between five and ten, but ten feels like a lot. So probably five, <laughs> five years. Five years. Well, you could not be more wrong, Serial. Huh? He reigned for 31 years. What? <laughs> No sources, but 31 years. Oh, well, that makes maybe yeah. the lack of sources source made problem. everything very. Yeah, they're together. mostly peaceful with Rome 31 years, but yeah, that's, that's the issue. So, yeah, he reigned from the year 79 to 110, which is why we go through quite a few Roman emperors, giving him a total of 31 years divided by 10 is 3.1 out of 5 for lengthiness. And that brings us to the final score, which is a grand total of 14.1 out of 100 points, which places him between Artaxerxes IV and Artabanus II, which is not a comparison I would like to make to myself. It is not flattering. He's in the teens club. It's not a club full of successful people. Yeah, he tried, but it's just it just kind of went on fire a little bit. So, not terribly impressive. Sorry, Pacorus, this was... uh, You were given better conditions. You should have kept them up. But that leads us to the final question, which is to say, is he civil war-y enough? Is he chaotic enough? Is he tricking ambassadors enough (laughs) to be a Shahanshah? Or is he just a Shahanshah? Sadly, I don't think he was, you know... Yeah, I mean... It was 30 years of rain that felt like five years. Yeah. That's a bad sign. I'm glad that you're like, yeah, no, you're right. It felt like this. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's mostly because, again, it's unfortunate we have no sources, but you were a terrible king. We don't have many sources on you. It's not even a fun terrible. It's just you were not very good at your job. So I think we can give you, with no regrets, a shahana. You can go into the desert, meet Volagasis the first, and tell him, "Sorry, Dad, I messed everything up." And yeah, you were maybe becoming a Shahanshah. I definitely was not. So that is the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be, depending on when this comes out and uh, our plans, we might be having a hiatus for the holiday period, or we might not. Who knows? Just keep that in mind for the future. And enjoy the holidays if you celebrate them. Indeed. And yeah, at the same time, if you need something to distract you in this period, we have a poll going on in our Patreon. In our Patreon, we have a poll deciding on what our next special episode will be. A special series of episodes will be. Oh, yeah. 
It's very neck and neck, everybody is very divided, so if you want to make your voice heard, this is the time. The choices are The Last Kings, so we're going to look at Antiochus VII, Demetrius II of the Seleucid Empire, and then Artabanus IV of the Parthian Empire, which is at the end there. We then also have the Maurya Empire, so the first Indian Empire that was interacting with the early Seleucids, those are interesting. Otherwise, we have a bunch of religious travelers, which are St. Thomas, the Apostle, going all the way to India. Dionysus, conquering India and Ooh. telling us why kings identified with Dionysus. Dionysus, the, the god? The god, yes. Ah, uh, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yes. Fun. And then we have also Alexander of Abnotychus, who was a strange prophet who was going around in roughly the period we're describing, and was so followed that he caused an invasion of Armenia. Figure out what was that about. So you can follow us on Patreon and support us there, and you also get a bunch of extra episodes, which is nice. If instead you'd rather not support us monetarily, that's fine, but we'd appreciate if you can give us a review on your podcast app of choice to let other people know that you would like us and that we exist so we can make more friends throughout. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is the end of today's episode. We hope you'll join us next time for Volagasis Third and Trajan and the misadventures. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, oh, God, the Romans are coming, the Romans are coming. Run away! Someone help us. So, oh. yeah, we hope you have a lovely week, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.